is Marketing Today from Melbourne, Australia, your number one podcast for news and commentary on some of today's top marketing stories. Now, here's your host, Peter Wagstaff. Well, hello and welcome back to Marketing Today. This is episode 84 for the 6th of February 2009. Wags here with you and thank you so much for listening to Marketing Today. This week we have a chat with a couple of semi-regulars. One of those is Zach Martin and uh, we also have Oyster here with us for a uh, bit of a live Oyster report this week. But before that, let's have a look at what's news in marketing. Okay, so some brief marketing news for this week. Um, Firstly, Google have just announced their new Latitude service. It's basically a location-based service where you're able to subscribe to it and it will track your location and plot your location on Google Maps. Now, there's a lot of uh, discussion about this. Uh, There's some criticism that uh, maybe it's breaching privacy, so a lot of people are are screaming about that. Um, But, look, I'm, from a marketing perspective, really surprised that at this stage there's no mention of some of the marketing opportunities of this Latitude service. Um, Obviously, some of them could be uh, location-based search. Great opportunity for marketers to target uh, customers geographically. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes over the uh, the near future. That's Google Latitude. Have a look. Now, Mumbrella this week has uh, reported a little bit more about this uh, witchery campaign from Naked. Apparently, there's a report being released today that Mumbrella tells us uh, from a social media monitoring company called Streamwall. You can check them out online, streamwall.com. They're reporting that the uh, Witchery Man campaign was an absolute dismal failure. Uh, They say it had minimal viral effect and most of the discussion that has occurred online has been about the hoax factor rather than the content. So it hasn't been good news for for Naked. However, Matt Baxter is still claiming success with that campaign. Interesting to see where that one goes. Speaking of hoaxes, uh, another great one that I suggest you have a look at. I believe this is a a brilliant campaign, computertan.com. Marketing magazine have just reported that one today. Um, It's gone viral, a very clever campaign. When you go to computertan.com, it's all about a a, a way of getting a a tan in front of your computer screen using uh, some new technology. Worth exploring. Go through the free trial if you get a chance, and you'll. Uh, when you do, you'll see that at the very end, it uh, ends up being a skin cancer awareness campaign. This has been put together by McCann Erickson in the UK. Congratulations, McCann Erickson! Brilliant campaign. Very impressed. Also in the news at the moment, um, Maya uh, retailers in Australia have just announced a big decline in their sales. A three point seven percent decline uh, in the June to December half year, um, as we can can expect with a slowing economy. But what I love about what Meyer is doing, their response is they're going to double their marketing spend over the next uh, next year. Um, a lovely response to falling sales. So many organisations, when sales start to fall, what do they do? They cut their marketing budget. But uh, Meyer, uh, good on you, uh, believing that uh, if they spend more on advertising, they're going to increase their sales. So well done, Meyer. And the final bit of news, this week has been the TED conference. If you're not familiar with TED, I suggest you go and check out tedted.com. It's an annual conference in the US with, I guess, thought leaders, I'll call them, who are presenting. Uh, The motto of TED is ideas worth spreading. 
Um, I've uh, been watching TED Talks for quite some time on iTunes, but it's also available directly on TED.com. Inspirational speakers all about changing the world and... um, some of them have not. One of them in particular, Bill Gates this year, did a, a really weird thing. He took along a, um, a jar of mosquitoes and released them into the audience as a way of um, um, raising awareness of um, malaria in third, third world countries. Very interesting approach. But look, some inspirational speakers there. So check out TED.com. So that's it for this week's marketing news. More again uh, next week, of course. But for now, let's have a chat with Oyster and Zach. As I mentioned, we have a couple of very special guests here today, one that you're familiar with. In fact, both you're familiar with, but one for the first time here in Melbourne. Very uh, nervous. It's Oyster, Daniel Oyster. How are you going? Our, very good. Our Canberra correspondent. Yes. Uh, you are looking nervous. Am I? Yeah, don't need, don't need to be nervous. You can relax. No, I'm not nervous. I'm you're not with, really nervous. You're with I'm just joking. joking. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a seven and a half hour drive yesterday, so... Yeah. Good that you could make the drive, especially for this podcast. Mm. Yeah, just I'm going back yeah. after this. <laughs> and you can hear Depending the, on how it goes. <laughs> and you can hear the laugh in the background there. We've got uh, Zach Martin with us as well from Pigs Don't Fly. A man who needs no introductions. You've heard a lot about Zach lately. <laughs> as if you weren't sick of him already. Yeah. He's going to be on the podcast no. as well. <laughs> good you could both be here. Look, um, I thought it would be a really good opportunity to get a, a live Oyster report while you're, you're here. Um, and it's going to be an interactive Oyster report as well because Zach and I are going to give you a hard time as you're, you're giving this report. Fair so enough. You ready for that? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That was a confident yes too. <laughs> but before we do, um, an interesting discussion point, and just before I hit record here, um, Zach said that it'd be interesting to talk about how what brands can learn from, from Oyster himself. Okay, so um, this morning I actually put up a post titled What Brands Can Learn from an Oyster, um, and it's about this very... Gorgeous-looking man, Daniel Weston, right here. Hanson is an app. Gorgeous. <laughs> Gorgeous. <laughs> I was going to say sexy, but um, what I just found really interesting is kind of the way that you entered into the blogosphere, the way you kind of developed your online presence and kind of how what you've done basically in the last six months. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think about halfway through last year, you kind of started listening to Wags' podcast and throwing in some of your thoughts. So you sent him through an email just saying, Hey, I'm listening, or hey, you've got some thoughts it was about it. September, August, September, I think. That yeah, very first contact. Was, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so then from there, um, what happened was you kind of branched out into some other bloggers. So you started maybe dropping a comment on my blog, or Julian Cole's blog, or some other kind of prominent figures and different people around the Australian blogosphere. Uh, and then that kind of led to your own blog, um, which you started broadcasting about October, I think, was your first post. Yeah, I think it was the end of October. So. What you've kind that of that was done. the uh, the logos, wasn't it? The um, guest. No, the, it was the, the one about the bananas. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yes, and yes. which had a phenomenal response for a first blog post, and from basically an unheard person. There was heaps of comments and heaps of kind of buzz, and it was a really good post as well. But I just find it really interesting the way you've kind of um, you first put out the feelers, and you kind of you know you studied the environment, you monitored it. Then you kind of went in, you just you dropped some comments, you just left some you know valuable insight added to the conversation, but nothing saying, come and check out my blog or trying to sell us stuff. You just kind of eased your way in gently and then finally you started blogging and the audience just came very naturally to you. Hmm. Um, now, I think if I was to ask you six months ago, did you set out with this strategy and was it part of your plan or was this just a logical, common sense, decent guy kind of thing, I reckon you're going to say the latter. And I just think if you could. Well, what if that, I said to you that the goal was purely to get on Wags' uh, podcast? Well, <laughs> well then, goal achieved. That's it, I've finished. <laughs> no more posts. 
But I think that brands, looking at this as a case study, can really learn about how you can enter into the blogosphere, how you can enter into this kind of online presence, uh, the rules of engagement, and just kind of feed off what you've done in terms of putting out feelers, kind of just throwing your name out there, and then ultimately bringing them into one source, which is your blog. Yeah, look, it's probably a um, it's probably a byproduct of a couple of things. One was if you do any research on the internet about um, how to set up a blog, almost always the first point of advice is go and participate in other people's blogs before you jump in. Mm. And I suppose I'd started to read uh, a few blogs and then it kind of just happened uh, really quickly. But that combined with the, the community in Australia in this space being so willing to offer comments and... Um, you know, give people a little bit of help, then it's just sort of... And to be honest, it just snowballed. It just... It, I suppose I'm reasonably opinionated. I would, without sounding arrogant, think that I've got some good ideas. And it's it's kind of weird because you don't always have... I mean, it would be different for you guys because you work... Well, come and study and work in a marketing environment where a lot of people are thinking about it. But working in a small to medium business, you don't talk about marketing with the accountant or the project sure. manager yeah. or something like that. So I felt I had some things to offer, but I didn't really have anyone to offer them with. And then I sort of, um, you know, upgraded iPods, all that sort of stuff, started listening to some podcasts and just started writing some feedback to AGS. And then I thought... The connection started and, and, and then it was like, the conversation just built and built. And Yeah. But I, I really like Zach's comment that uh, your timing was actually... Almost, uh, it sounds as though, I don't know whether it was accidental or intentional, but you're... Oh, it would have been accidental. <laughs> There's no grand plan sketched out on my bedroom wall or anything like that. <laughs> you followed the advice and, and um, started the conversation first and introduced yourself uh, gradually, and then when the time was right, you then launched. Well, and- I, I'll give you a tip. I was very, very nervous when I wrote my first post. I was like, I could send this out and... You kind of prepare yourself for the fact that, you know, you probably it's going to be your first post. You're not going to get anyone comment on it mm. at all. And I didn't necessarily go and comment on other people's posts because I was trying to get them to link back to mine and, um, you know, build my yeah, yeah. profile, my blog's profile. I just wanted to be part of the conversation and I try and only leave comments if I think it adds. I'm not one of those people that says, oh, I love the post, you know, because I just think, wow, that's a bit, that's a bit boring. But... Mm. Um, yeah, I did when I pushed the uh, the publish button. Uh, I was a little bit nervous. I thought this could just go off the end of a cliff. And uh, but I try and blog about things that are a little bit different at times, um, which is hard because if you read a lot of blogs, a lot of them sort of concentrate on the same thing and the same topic at each week. And and you know you read one blog and read a post and then read another one. It's about the same thing. So yeah, I don't think there's any secret really. I think. But uh, what I also like is that it's kind of once you hit that point, you haven't really stopped. And, you know, since you've kind of started your blog, we ended up having a number of emails back and forth. Uh, you offered to host an image for me. Um, I think you've offered, to, you know, you offered a segment on Wags' podcast and all that. So it's really been like a continual relationship. It hasn't just been now that you're there, we're stopping, which I think heaps of brands end up doing. So you've kind of built this relationship and you're continuing on with that. And I think it's probably an, it's, it's about the intent. Like the intent was to be a part of it and share my comments and ideas. Mm. And I'm generally a person that, you know, if I can help somebody out, I'll help somebody out so I didn't go in there purely for any intent to sell product or necessarily build my own profile that's just a bit of a byproduct I suppose Mm. and I think that's why this is a great example because it's so natural and what I compare it to is if you're someone new and you know you're at 
a pub with a bunch of people you've never met, you don't go in there and start screaming and you don't go in there trying to sell them stuff and you don't go in there and punch one of them in the face. But, you know, you introduce yourself, you shake their hand, you maybe sit back for a little bit and listen. Then if you've got a story, you can tell them or you can make them laugh or joke. Determine the rules of the group and what's appropriate and what's not. You don't go in there swearing unless it happens to be a group that swears. And you don't go in there and talk about football if they despise football. You know, you go in there and it's very natural. And that's kind of, I like the way you've done the approach to the blogosphere because you've just kind of fit into that model perfectly. And I think heaps of brands kind of fall down somewhere along the lines. Uh, brands entering social media, but we could extend this even further. I mean, any brand that's being launched uh, mainstream, a new product, for example, um, really the whole process starts by understanding the marketplace, understanding the customers, spending some time in there researching and building that understanding before you actually launch. The, the hard thing about it was that you would go and spend time on other people's blogs and read their posts and leave comments, and I was itching to write the first post. But what I did was hold myself back for a couple of weeks, yep. and I reckon I probably rewrote that first post two or three times because I'd read something on somebody else's blog or I liked this angle, and, and mine was a little bit of a timeless story because it wasn't based on something current yep. and something that was happened, so I could do that. Mm. But once you start to leave comments and other people leave comments on your comments and you start participating, it was really hard to hold myself back and not go, quick, publish it. So Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't really put much thought into all that, to be honest. No, I see, I have been. And I, I think it's just an amazing case study. And essentially what you've done in six months, you know, I haven't even been able to do in 18 months. And I think so many brands haven't been able to do it at all. So mm. just kind of an interesting case study to follow and, and see how it progresses. Okay, now, if a brand was to attempt to follow this model, is it going to be successful for a brand where the blogosphere, the, um, the people in the, the social media environment, would see the brand's entry as being a potential, um, uh, I guess, abuse of, of that space just to sell product? I mean, because it's obvious. I mean, Oyster's here just because he's passionate about uh, certain things. He's passionate about marketing and brands and so on. Um, he's not in it for anything other than sharing his knowledge and, and engaging with the community. Well, I think it depends on what their, their intent is. If their intent is to go and sell a product then it's probably not going to work unless they're uh, some sort of brand that absolutely has massive fans already and they're really just shifting the engagement to a different area where Mm. if you're uh, a brand or a company, I mean, I don't like to use um, wanky marketing terms all the time, but, you know, it's about creating value. I mean, people will only go back to the blog unless, to a blog of a company unless there's some value. And if they're just going back there to to read posts about how their products are so great, people won't go. Mm. You can't even start a conversation around that properly, really. No. Yeah. If, you can add value, if you can add value to that community or a certain conversation and, you know, provide insight and thought, that'll, that'll happen naturally and the sales will happen naturally. Mm. If your whole intent is to go in and sell stuff, don't even attempt it. And the sales would probably be, be better by taking that approach than taking a direct selling approach through a blog. Hence, and that was your thinking. It was you were going to be received uh, a lot better in this in this uh, environment if you don't throw yourself into it, but instead you're very careful and you make sure that the language you're using and the um, the, the blogs that you, the, the postings that you're blogging uh, uh, I fit in according to the rules of, of, yeah. of that space. And I think it was one about learning about the space before I started doing anything in it. Yeah. But then I also um, I wonder how different it'd be if I had my own business. It's, if I had something to sell. It depends. Um, well, you do have something to sell. I mean, you're working in a... What do you want to buy, Wax? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that wasn't the intention of the blog, was it? No. Um, but, yeah, who knows? It's, a, it's an interesting one. I think brands, though, can learn a lot from this model. 
I wonder though, I mean, we're talking about blogging here, but is it the same for other elements of social media? Uh, Twitter, YouTube, um, are the rules the same there? What do you think, Zach? Um, good question, Blags. Um, I would say very similar. Uh, of course, you can't really apply the same rules, but say something like Twitter, um, if you jump on and you just add 1,000 people to your friends list and all you do is broadcast posts every single minute... That's spam. Yeah. That's spam. It's going to fail. But if you go in there, you follow 10 people on your first day, you uh, reply to something they've said, you add value. And it all comes back to that kind of core exchange value. You slowly build up your audience, you st- slowly follow more people, bring people into one spot add to different conversations, make friends. It all progresses naturally. But if you go in blatantly and and spam, then it's going to be a complete flop. The thing that's interesting is that in the social media space, I don't know whether the rules of value are necessarily tightly defined. If you watch an ad on TV, people are going to understand that the value that that ad is going to be is there's a product and you might be interested and you can purchase it. Mm-hmm. Where well, that's not what social media is used for. So, well, it hasn't been, but I wonder if that is going to change. Now we're getting more and more users in the social media space. It's reaching a point where maybe it's worth a big brand taking a risk and spamming those millions of people because even though the success rate will be lower per person, since it's the sheer numbers that are in there, it's going to be worth their while. That's how spam works. And that's exactly what we don't want to happen. We... You're speaking on behalf of who there? Social media experts, as they like to call them. <laughs> That's right. But, I mean, even as consumers, we don't want brands in there on our Facebook page, on our Twitter account, on our blog, spamming us with of course shit that we don't care about. But why not? Why don't we want spam about things we don't care about? Because it's uh, wasting that's our point, time. But that's the point, though. You don't want messages from people that you don't want to hear about that don't add value. If those companies could add value... Oh, if they can target and perfectly... And they know that I ripped my T-shirt on the weekend and they can sell me an exact same T-shirt for a discounted price, that's value. And There's that's a concept. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, it's the right person, it's the right time, and it's about understanding their needs. Going in blatantly and spamming, not how you're going to approach it. Okay, now here's the difficulty that I think you're going to face, you collectively. I don't think that you are going to be able to prevent this wave from, uh, from coming in. I think as the numbers are building, the numbers of users in there, because who sets the rules? There are no formal rules in this space. And if a marketer wants to jump into this space and just use it for their own benefit, for their own good, even if it breaks the informal... And it's a short-term gain, even if it does break it. Absolutely. So so is it up to the consumer then to make sure there's a backlash and to penalise these people who come into this space and use it inappropriately? Yes, but I think you're only going to find the passionate ones that will backlash, that will scream. But the thing about the social media is it's so much easier to turn off and not receive those messages a lot of the time. Exactly. If, Click of a button, exactly. blocked or deleted. If, if, there's a, yeah, if there's someone Twittering that, uh, that's spamming you, you just block them. That's it. They're gone. Um, but who cares? I mean, maybe that short-term gain they're going to get from it. But long-term, how much damage are they doing to their brand? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Once you spam me once and I block you, you're never coming back in. No, so but what about what about if they employed people to just get heaps of followers and they followed them and then so say I set up a, an account, I get lots of followers and I follow lots of people and then I just sell my profile to a company. See, I don't follow you unless you provide value. Yeah, but there's a lot of people that just follow people who on Twitter, but they're useless. No, but then you can still spam them. Mm. 
It's an interesting. I hope I'm not giving companies a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Interesting. Edit that a out. Full of social media. We're going to blame on both of you. Look, I I think there's going to be a lot more of these situations coming in the in the near future, and um, particularly as as we're getting the I guess the the early majority now entering this space that aren't as passionate, that don't care as much, and that won't scream when they can see the unwritten rules being broken. And our advice to them would be to look to Oyster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you oh, poor, you poor companies. <laughs> <laughs> Not only am I going to break social media, I'm going to break <laughs> companies as well. So people can read more about this, uh, this blog posting at pigsdon'tfly.com. That's correct. Good. So it's certainly worth having a look at that. And uh, if you uh, feel any uh, way about this, for or against, feel free to comment on, on that blog or, of course, you can uh, call this podcast or email this podcast with any details and contact information at the end of the podcast. Um, let's get into the Oyster Report. What do you reckon? Okay. The Oyster Report. Now, if we have to. <laughs> Oh, poor oyster. I don't really I'm like just thinking of something really inappropriate to say, but Wag said, well, we weren't allowed to swear, so I'm just going to sit here now. <laughs> so, interactive oyster report. What's on the list this week, oyster? Well, I thought we'd do a little bit of a, uh, a Twitter special, but I didn't know that we would have a reasonably uh, uh, long discussion around some uh, Twitter stuff then. But Should we clarify uh, what Twitter is, maybe, for some of the listeners who don't know? Oh, I think anyone that doesn't know what Twitter is maybe just needs to go to twitter.com and find out. And follow Wags because I think he uh, tweeted yesterday afternoon that uh, he's back on Twitter and uh, let's give it one more chance. Exactly, after a long time. September um, 1st, I'd check that. You've checked. So it's and al- that's why I've got notes, Zach, so that I can remember <laughs> September 1st. So it's almost six months since I was last on Twitter. Do you remember what you wrote? My last one was something like, is it an offence to not uh, not tweet regularly or something like yeah, that? Is it a serious sin not to update Twitter regularly? Yeah. Um, that was a, quite an appropriate uh, final posting for six months. Did anybody it? reply? No, I don't know. I haven't been didn't log <laughs> on, so no idea. And I, I honestly, it's been months without even logging into Twitter because to me, it was it was just one extra thing that was filling up my life that I didn't need. I, I think there's a whole other conversation about the relevance and importance of Twitter. Um, but the way I see it, it's whatever you put in, you get back. And for someone like me who sits on there all day, I get a lot out of Twitter. Mm. But each to their own. Yeah. So I've got two to offer. First one is uh, last week in Canberra at the Prime Minister's Eleven. Yes. And uh, do you follow Kevin Rudd on Twitter? He's Zach? the Prime Minister, right? Mm, yeah, last <laughs> I checked. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, no Kevin Eleven. I, but, I, uh, actually, I don't think I do because it's not Kevin. It's a minister. No, probably not even a minister. It's probably a junior posting as Kevin. So, so that, well, you're probably right. So you think they're breaking one of the rules of, uh, of this space? So oh, you not necessarily. I think um, there's kind of an unwritten rule that says politicians are just broadcasting, and you know that it's not going to be him. But I still don't follow him because he's a bit of a wanker. But, yeah. Well, it's funny you should uh, say that because I've got a I follow him. Just I didn't vote for him. But um, <laughs> don't blame you. I made my yeah. Don't blame me. I broke social media in a few companies, but I'm not uh, I'm not breaking the country. I made my own little box and voted for myself. But um, he tweeted last week. Oyster eleven <laughs> because it's a prime minister's eleven, right? So he turns up. He does the toss. He tweeted not long after the toss. Just tossed the coin for the PM's eleven game. Aussies won the toss. Good omen. I hope. And he spelled Aussies O double Z I E S. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, who's who's employed to do this, and what are they going to do with that person? 
Oh, no, that's, wow. He's lost credibility. Is that, is that an Australian? To that's spell it like that's that? very un-Australian. I, I agree. It's completely un-Australian to spell Aussies like that. Well, I did have the same thought, but I wasn't going to throw that out there, Zach. But uh, there you have. Yeah, I wonder whether it's somebody from a non-English-speaking background who might have come to this fine country and is now employed by uh, no, no, no. Kevin Rudd. I know what's happened. He's outsourced it to India. Yes, call centre. Twitter call centre. He's, he's, he's paying someone in India to do his tweeting for it. So if I read this in an Indian accent, it might actually make sense. No, don't do that. <laughs> it probably sounds Scottish. I'm not real good with accents. The second one, you probably heard about this one, was uh, came from James Andrew, who's uh, Andrews, who's VP of a PR firm in America called Ketchum Communications, and he went and visited... Ketchum Communications? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm was in Memphis doing a presentation to a major client called FedEx, had only recently blogged about how Twitter can be used and how good it is and all this sort of stuff. As he left, he tweeted, I'm in one of those towns where I scratch my head and say I would die if I had to live here. Now, unfortunately, uh, some FedEx staff actually follow him on Twitter (laughs) and they wrote a very uh, icy letter back questioning whether he... um, valued their business and we have a great city and xyz so yeah no that's uh, very very dangerous and and I mean, anyone who's using twitter and not realizing that they even, can be followed by anyone even a facebook status i mean can be seen by most people if you don't have your mm-hmm. privacy settings but, um dangerous <laughs> but long term as well i mean that tweet is going to be there forever that's never yeah, going to be erased point. good point so even if it's not a current client of his 10 years down the track that could come back and bite him. Mm. Well, Wags will remember when uh, we never had email. <laughs> I can email, actually when email first came in. I can actually remember those days. Yes, Zach won't because he's from uh, the what, I, I generation. generation. Yes, yep. so uh, Zach's grown up with email. Um, but the, one of the basic rules about using email was that you would never write something in an email that you wouldn't be happy, or you would be unhappy if you saw it on the front page. Of the paper, and it occurred to me that that's, that sort of rule may be modified a little bit for social media because things can get out there and be retweeted mm. and sent around and blogged and all that sort of stuff. That there seems to be a, few, a fair few people around at the moment who uh, don't really follow that rule, so might, might adjust um, it to but, say don't don't write anything well, in the, on the internet that you wouldn't want to be happy that you would be unhappy if everyone blogged and retweeted it. And this is really an interesting issue, and we've had this discussion before about um, employers. Yeah. Um, going back and, and Googling someone's name and, and looking back at their Facebook photos and so on. I just wonder whether Twitter is a ticking time bomb here because... Well, there tweets, is actually the tweets. option to set uh, Twitter profile as private for right. non-followers, yeah. uh, which is kind of interesting because not, I don't think many people know about it and kind of different to Facebook in the way that the amount of access to information you have. Mm. I, I think the fact, though, that, that tweeting is, is such a simple process and it's often just top-of-the-head idea or thought that you're, you're posting there, that 160 characters is going to be around in cyberspace forever. Yep. No ability to create any context around your thoughts. Exactly. True. Very easy to misread it and yeah. misunderstand it and take it out of context. Exactly. In fact, often when you're on Twitter, you, you just see a, a comment without seeing it within context of the overall discussion. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. yeah true. And yeah. things can be very easily taken out of context. And if we think 10 years down the track, let's say, for example, you're criticising a a company, Zach, and... Um, Which I actually did yesterday and swore my head off at this guy. And I thought later, you know, in 10 years, is this going to come up and someone's going to criticise me or could this be my future employer? Let's say, for example, I happen to be a client of yours and, and someone chooses to, to throw that in. Or, I oh, don't know, let's say you're, you're, uh, you're taking, you've taken Kevin Rudd's place. 
oh, God suddenly, help us. Suddenly there could be conflict of interest issues. I mean, this is this is amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, You've if just I given was me an idea. <laughs> if I was an employer and I had seen that you had criticised something that my company had done, and it was a fair criticism, or there was something debatable in it, I'd probably think that you'd be more employable than somebody that just took it and said, yes, we'll just do whatever the corporate line is oh. rather than challenging it. And I honestly don't want to work for someone if they can't appreciate the fact that I have a voice and I want to criticise and I want to swear occasionally or whatever. If they can't accept me for who I am or anything like that, hmm. I don't want to work for you. Hmm. Exactly. So your Facebook photos, no worries about them because that's you. And if that's who I am, and, and if they don't like that, different, so. if they don't like that, you don't want to work for you. Yep. Exactly. Uh-huh. So it's a, it's a, up for a vote about who gets the moron social media moron of the week. Yeah. So who's your vote going to wags? Uh, I've got to give it to our out, outsourcing prime minister. I think. You know what? I'm I'm going to vote with Wags here. I just think that's too big a mistake to. Uh... Well, it's unanimous. I agree. It's yeah. terrible. Bad luck, Kev. You're uh, you're the moron of the week. Yes. Sorry, Kevin. Yeah. Is that uh, eliminate any chance of us becoming prime minister now? Well, don't like <laughs> you boys, but like I said, I got one vote last time. <laughs> Is there a social media magic this week? No. Oh, it's oh. the morons. Well, we could talk about, um, I quite like the, uh, it's, a, it's a couple of weeks old now, but I quite like the Whopper Sacrifice. The Whopper Sacrifice? Yes. What, Burger King, Hungry Jacks? Had a Facebook oh, application. Oh, yes, yes. Had a Facebook application that, and I quite liked it, had a Facebook application where you could sacrifice 10 friends to get a free Whopper. Yep. Um, but before I could even sacrifice Zach on Facebook, they took it down. So, That's right. Now, it wasn't um, Burger King Hungry Jacks that took it down. It was Facebook, it was that, Facebook took it down that took it down because they were losing a lot of their um, connections and links. Between, yeah. um, I think 100,000, 200,000 people had been sacrificed. It's about 260,000. So it, it was a really big application and I think probably a really stupid move by Facebook um, in terms of this is one of the first applications that a brand's kind of developed that's actually been successful for them, mm. really gotten popular and, and proven itself to be you know, a possibility in this social media space. Yep. And Facebook have come along and canned it, really shut down a number of other opportunities later on. How much have they kind of screwed themselves over with this decision to close it down? Yeah, but then again, I mean, if they didn't close it down, they'd be screwing themselves as well, wouldn't they? But I mean, they agreed to put it up there in the first place. Maybe they just didn't think through the... And, and, and how is it actually hurting them? I still don't understand that. Well, isn't Facebook successful? The, the whole fabric of Facebook are the connections between friends. And it was breaking those connections. It was weakening the fabric. Yeah, you're not going to sacrifice somebody who exactly. you're actually friends with. It's only going to be someone. sacrifice the bloke from year six who you haven't spoken to for 15 years and wants to send you photos of his I kids. So, or if it is someone that you care about, you'll re-friend them. Exactly. Or, or give them a free whopper. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take them out for lunch. Yeah. So I think um, that was a fantastic move by Burger King and a not-so-fantastic move by Facebook. But now you can go to the website and uh, you can get a – do you know what the angry whopper is? No. The, oh, that's the spicy chili yeah, one. Yeah, it's got like spicy onion rings and yeah, you're talking all these, the king of the whoppers. Yeah, here. all the jalapeno yeah. peppers and all this sort of <laughs> stuff. But uh, you can now go there and send an abusive, angry whopper animated message <laughs> to somebody. Oh, <laughs> and I was actually downloading a whole lot of stuff all at once and I clicked through to that website. So the computer was taking a little bit to load this page up. And the animated hamburger started abusing me. <laughs> What are you waiting for? Hurry up. I can't wait all day. I was like, what is that? And I went to the window and there's an animated hamburger abusing me. 
Nice. But um, I thought that was a great application. Certainly connects back to the the benefits of the brand of, of this thing being hot and spicy and angry. Yeah. So uh, mm. yeah, that was going to be the uh, social, social media, media magic. magic goes to uh, Hungry Jacks like Burger it. King. Bring it back, Facebook. Please. I like that. One I didn't more, get to sacrifice anyone. One more really good Facebook app that's uh, just been relaunched as well. Uh, Lexulus. You familiar with that story? Never heard of it. The old Scrabulous. Ah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The two brothers in India that yep. um, that launched Scrabulous and they were shut down by the um, the owners of um, of Scrabble, the board game. And well, they've Hasbro? just Hasbro. That's correct. Well, and I think it depends on where you live. I think Mattel uh, is somewhere else. Yeah, different countries. Okay. They're oh, different yeah. companies. Have different so the application's Hasbro, back. The application is back. It's now called Lexulus. Um, Why can't it just be called Scrabble? It's almost identical. Uh, well, they don't have the rights to use the brand name Scrabble. Um, it's not owned by Hasbro, of course. It's, Why don't uh, they just get on? Why didn't they just buy that? Create that? I think that would have been the, the best thing for Hasbro to do. They should have bought out these these Indian brothers. That uh, well, they should have been there in the first place. But fall back, mm. pay these guys as developers, and turn it into a money making machine. What is bizarre though? The only changes that have taken place in this game is it's no longer called Scrabbleus. It's now Lexulus, and instead of having seven tiles, you've got eight. Developed by the same blokes. It's these two Indian guys. They've uh, relaunched, yes, yeah. But uh, they settled out of court with uh, with Hasbro, apparently. But they're making a lot of money out of this, and uh, it's good to see them relaunch. Good on them. Yeah. First word they put out was Aussies. <laughs> with an O. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Look, thank you so much for that oyster report. It's it's really good to uh, have a face to face oyster report. Yes, thank and, you. And it's only uh, about twenty hours of uh, of driving sitting in the car to get here. A lot of coffees, yeah, I bet. <laughs> but a few podcasts while you're driving, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, look, just before we go, um, Zach, um, just wanted to quickly point out that um, those readers of Marketing Magazine Online have probably uh, noticed there's a, a blog occurring there at the moment um, that, that Zach's authoring. Tell us about that, Zach. Um, I've just started a new series on Marketing Mag. Been asked to write for them online uh, called "Graduate Like a Rockstar." So. Check it out. It's a five-part series. Trash your Rezzy's room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a five-part series. There'll be one coming out over the next few weeks, uh, every fortnight. Um, Just an interesting series on what you can do to kind of throw out that resume and and see how you can explore online to build up your profile and get that dream job. Yeah, really good series, and I'd uh, strongly encourage any of our student listeners uh, to to jump onto marketingmag.com.au. Uh, and you'll find the link there and um, read. It's going to take, what, about two or three weeks to, to plug out each of these? Maybe um, two or three months. Two or three months? Yeah. Oh, it's going for quite a while. Once a, once a fortnight, is it? Uh, I was actually given a deadline, and I told my uh, my editor that I don't do deadlines. So <laughs> A uni student does not do deadlines. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Well, I thought one of the reasons you went to uni was to learn how to manage your time and meet deadlines. <laughs> Discipline and, and so on. That's the way our side generations roll. How's that working out? <laughs> well, this will be interesting. It's interesting. Kate, uh, the editor, did have something to say about your uh, creative demands as well, I noticed. So, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting series. And seriously, I, I do encourage our students to... Uh, to have a close look at that, and um, certainly if you um, agree or disagree with it, there's a place there to uh, engage with Zach and join the conversation. Let him know that he's talking shit if he is. You're welcome to start a fight with me. <laughs> I'll win because I've got a podcast that I can voice myself out on. But, you know. <laughs> and, of course, you can uh, give us feedback here as well, so we'd love to, to hear anything uh, that you've got to say. Well, we're willing to set up a cage match and put it on YouTube with Zach and any listeners that take him or a real readers, that, down. readers that take him to task will oh, set up a uh, yeah. cage match. Wags. Ah, <laughs> oh, you would not stand a chance, Zach. Yeah. Andre the Giant versus uh, <laughs> Money Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much, guys. Great to have you here. Um, enjoy the drive back. Thank you. Cheers, Zach. <laughs>
No worries. Thanks. Now, before we go this week, I'd just like to just report on some brief feedback that we received from one of our listeners, um, a long-time listener. Peter, thank you so much for writing in this week. Um, firstly, uh, part of his feedback was in response to um, our, our new format and so on of, of marketing today. And I, I have had feedback from others on that. So we are modifying slightly. You might notice us tweaking the format a little over the, the next few episodes. So bear with us as, as we do that. Um, Peter also um, gave us a bit more feedback about the witchery campaign, um, and he really uh, believes that it is a quite an unethical campaign, but uh, he does confess to one thing, and that is he has not yet seen the original video. So, Pete, before you comment any further on that, go and check out the video and come back and let us know what you really think. I think that's, uh, that's only fair. Uh, but he does also say that he'd, he'd like to give a... Um, a big uh, congratulations, and we'll we'll call it a um, marketing magic moment um, from Captain Snooze. Um, some excellent customer service he received there, uh, where they were delivering delivering a bet. I think it was. Um, they um, they phoned to tell him the day it was going to arrive. Then they called to tell him what time it was going to arrive, and then they called him another thirty minutes just before the delivery to say it was on its way. So uh, amazing service, and if only all organisations could learn from that. So uh, congratulations, kudos to um, Captain Snooze for that wonderful service to one of our dear listeners. Thank you so much for looking after old Pete. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that feedback. Anyone else? If if you do have any feedback, please. Listen at the end of the podcast, you'll hear the feedback number and email address there. Now, to take us out this week, another great music track of the week, and this is from music.podshow.com from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. This is a group that I'm sure you're all familiar with uh, called Panic at the Disco, and this track is called, it's a long one, The Only Difference Between Martyrdom and Suicide is Press Coverage. Take it away, Panic at the Disco. See you all next week. I'm gonna need you to keep time Come on, just snap, snap, snap your fingers for me Good, good, now we're making some progress Come on, just tap, tap, tap your toes to the beat And I believe this may call for a proper introduction And well, don't you see? I'm the narrator and this is just a prologue Swear to stick it up if you swear to On that on another page And I believe This may call for a proper introduction And well, don't you see I'm the narrator And this is just the prologue Swear to shake it up in just Swear to listen or we're still so young Desperate for attention I aim to be I aim to be Your eyes, show me boys, show me why
You can join our conversation by calling plus 61 3903 or by emailing podcast at monashmarketing.com. This podcast is protected under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. You are welcome to share and remix this podcast for non-commercial purposes.